I'm Luke Alley. I'm Dave Alley. And this is All Things Climbing. Cool. So uh, Dave and I are in the closet studio today. When we've been interviewing, we've been asking a few recurring questions and then saving those questions to kind of uh, hold up against each other and review side by side. Today, we are going to be looking at the question about whether or not the nose will have a permit system in the future. What made you think to ask that question? Uh, I think it came out of a conversation that we were having about the permit system on Half Dome, on the cables, and the Park Service deciding that they wanted to step in there and manage a really, really popular zone of the park, and then just idly carrying that through to what what might be considered its logical extension, um, which is permitting the, the technical climbing. And that is, that's a big leap, or seemingly big leap, but, but that's, that's sort of, that was the genesis. It should be said, we did reach out to the park system in Yosemite, and they said this is currently not on the radar at all. This is not something right. that's happening, or it's not, uh, yeah. this is not something that we came through. It's not being talked about, it's not by, being proposed, right. or anything like that. This is just, this is like what-if speculation on our part. Total what-if, yeah. you know, yeah. hypothetical. Yeah, exactly. For funsies. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so this is uh, so. Let's listen to the excerpt from Phil Powers' interview, who is the CEO of the American Alpine Club. Related to our top-down management concept earlier, do you think that routes like the nose, let's just say the nose, mm-hmm. are headed for a permit system? Yeah, I mean, I think, and I don't. I'm not advocating for it, or, I mean, that's what happened to the cables on Half Dome. Now, the cables on Half Dome and the nose are two very different things. <laughs> sure. But, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I was, that was a predictive question, yeah. not necessarily should it go that way. Yeah, don't, let's not play this uh, podcast in Yosemite Valley. But um, <laughs> I, I think that there are some iconic treasures in the world where, you know, some number of years or decades from now, we may be looking at some methodology. It could be the honor system, it could be. Uh, uh, negotiation between parties at the base of the route, but it's it 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 will become unpleasant at some level, and it will become even unsafe at some level. Yeah. So that's really a tough question. I wish you hadn't asked it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> we'll cut that one out. We did cut that one out. We did. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, Phil. <laughs> like I'm very. <laughs> I'm very sympathetic to the argument that Phil makes, which is that there's there are these few um, maybe either routes or crags or whatever that bear a very disproportionate burden from the impact that we as climbers have on the resource, right? That stuff is spread fairly unevenly across all of the routes. And, you know, as traffic increases over time, maybe some of those, you know, tip of the spear type routes or crags seem like they're on a collision course towards some sort of unsustainable, you know, I guess like rate of consumption, for lack of a better phrase, right? Like people just climbing them a ton to a place that becomes profoundly inconvenient or outright unsafe, that's sort of why the nose is a good example for this question is because it, it, it might be you know popular enough to be on one of those imagined collision courses, 
but it's also within the National Park Service where there's a governing body whose job it is to keep people safe. And so if you if it if things rise to the level of serious danger, then then there is a you know there is a a managing presence there whose mandate includes the need to keep people safe. So Phil says that he he could envision kind of uh, a tipping point where you know some kind of system has to come into place. Are there any feasible situations where you think that offer that kind of tipping point? Yeah. So, you know, when I first was starting to think about this question, I was like, well, is this even a realistic question? Like, can I see the Park Service ever doing this? Like, why would they want to do this? And I think it's in part, it would have to be that the Park Service feels pushed way beyond just the inconvenience that's experienced by climbers. You know, as as things exist currently on the nose. It's the system that Phil was describing when he talks about the honor system or parties negotiating at the base and that kind of stuff. Like that is how things are done right now. And that's fine. And, you know, we might gripe about it and we might consider it inconvenient, but I I don't think the park service sees that as like something that they need to step in and fix. And so I think that they would feel, they would need to feel really pushed to action. I can definitely think of a couple scenarios that I don't know if are likely, but they're also not outlandish. Like they're they're realistic possible futures that would end in a permit system. And so the first scenario is there's a season or several seasons where there's a handful of very serious accidents to climbers on the route and or accidents or injuries sustained by tourists at the base. And so Um, it's not impossible, you know, people, parties on the wall, drop stuff off the wall or knock blocks loose or that kind of thing. And so, you know, when, when, when Katie and I were out there on the nose, I, I was really surprised the first day where you're relatively close to the ground at the amount of tourist traffic, like foot traffic was coming up the trail to the base, either to hang out at the base or gaze at the wall or talk to the climbers and that kind of thing. And there's just a, there's a lot of non-climbers underneath you. And it's one thing I think to have the risk assessment conversation in the context of climbers, because we have this very closely held idea that, you know, climbing a core part of the experience is managing objective hazard. And, you know, you're taking this risk on yourself and, and blah, 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 blah. And it's, there's a very like robust, very libertarian principle at work there. But I I don't think that same argument applies as cleanly to like the tourists who just walk up to the base. I mean, these, these guys are walking along trail in a national park, just like any other trail and unwittingly walking to the base of this cliff with all of these climbers, potentially, you know, climbers of like low to moderate experience climbing above them. And so anyway, in this hypothetical scenario, there's, there's in, there's serious injury to, or there's like one or several episodes that involve injury to people, non-climbers at the base of the route, um, potentially injury to climbers in a way where the National Park Service feels like they need to do something to keep everybody safe, but they don't want to shut down climbing in El Cap because of the history that climbing has in Yosemite. So what they do is they close off the last little bit. They put signs, not close off maybe, but put signs at the last little bit of trail to the base of the wall for non-climbers explaining the hazard, and then they establish a permit system for the three busiest routes on the wall or something like that, which probably see the huge lion's share of the traffic on the entire wall. Um, So that's scenario number one. Scenario number two is the National Park Service, after having to perform a lot of rescues off El Cap, 
is facing a large budget shortfall. Um, it costs a lot of money to run the helicopter. They've had to do a lot of helicopter flying, or a lot of a lot of very involved rescues, let's say, um, where they're flying the helicopter a lot. And you know, there's the cost of the whole search and you know maintenance of the whole search and rescue operation. And yeah, I guess eventually you can imagine if if it becomes enough if there's enough resource consumption dedicated to rescuing climbers off El Cap, and then they take a close look and they say, oh, 95% of this money is going to pluck climbing climbers off the nose. And it turns out that we're finding out that many of these climbers are not particularly well, like they're not particularly ready for this route. We need to do something to make sure that this doesn't continue because we need to make sure that we grab these people before they leave the ground and say, this is not a good idea because we can't, we can't run these rescue costs as they continue to increase. Um, you know, the park service is already strapped for cash. And so then they're left with the unfor- unfortunate choice between saying, we're not going to rescue climbers off the wall. We're going to raise rates for everybody entering the park. We're going to take that money from climbers who are going to help contribute to this because they're the ones who are incurring these costs. And how do you do that? You do that with the permit system, right? And so those are the two scenarios in which I can see this being a thing. The other thing that I should mention is that I don't know that having a permit system necessarily has to be that restrictive in terms of the numbers, but I could see a permit system where the National Park Service says there's no limit on the number of permits we're going to give out this year, but in order to get your permit, you have to do a very quick face-to-face with a ranger, right? And so then you have to talk to a climbing ranger who's going, like, you you can't get on the wall without having the, the experience of somebody saying, are you sure you're ready for this? This is what's coming. What other grade six routes have you done? You know, and they're like, okay, well, none. Okay, well, you know, how have you prepared? Or um, what is your, what is your rack? And what is your plan in case of emergency, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And and not necessarily trying to like bring people down, but I mean, those are, those are realistic questions. And, you know, if you're going to go up there, I think that you should be able to answer to somebody why you think that that's a good idea. You know, I'm glad that I'm not, I don't say that to advocate for the permit necessarily. Like I'm, I'm glad that there is no permit system, but if you, if you're going to go climb the nose and you don't have an answer to like any of those questions, then you might want to wonder why you're going to do that. And so if you're the National Park Service and your goal is to reduce the number of parties who climb the nose without being too heavy handed about it, giving making infinite permits would be a way to do that. I would at least, at the very least, give give the Park Service a little more knowledge about what's going on on the wall. You know, who's where, what color is your rope and your helmet, what's your phone number, who is your emergency contact? Do you have rescue insurance? Whatever. I don't even know. You know, that's like, that's not to say that that doesn't rep- represent some imposition, right? Like that's a big pain in the ass. And like, when are you going to do that? If you're supposed to drive into the valley, you get there in the middle of the night and you just go, you know what I mean? So it's super easy to poke holes in that. But, but that's, that's, that's like one of the things that I'm picturing when I'm, when I'm picturing the, like, how could this possibly happen? Well, that, that's how. So we talked to Alex Honnold and Maury Birdwell about this when we sat down with them at Outdoor Retailer earlier this summer. But first, we got to take a break. We'll be back in a sec with Alex and Maury's response. 
This episode is made possible by Rhino Skin Solutions. Making sure your skin is healthy, non-greasy, and in the optimal condition to climb is the lowest hanging fruit for most climbers looking to level up their performance. Most of us use chalk to keep our hands dry on a pitch or boulder, and being free from having to stop to chalk up as often makes a major difference in getting through a hard section. Or maybe it's too cold out because it's almost November, you're bouldering in the desert, and your skin is too dry and glassy to latch small holds on the first try. Rhino Skin has you covered not only for both of those scenarios, but also for your recovery at the end of the day so you can charge hard tomorrow as well. The simplest way for me to put this is that taking care of your skin makes a huge and immediate impact on how well you're able to climb at your limit, and Rhino Skin Solutions makes easily the best products for addressing this. I personally use a combination of Performance, Dry Spray, and Recover both for climbing outdoors and my training days, and it's made such a clear difference that I won't go back. But beyond my experience at the crag in the gym, I also support them because they represent the best aspects of our community. Founder Justin Brown volunteers his time on the board of the Smith Rock Group in Oregon and is keen to partner with us to raise money for climbing access and bolt replacement. To that point, if you go from this podcast over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and take the promo code BLISTER with you, Rhino will knock 10% off your order and give an additional 10% to the access fund. This simultaneously helps support both All Things Climbing and our mission to raise money for the access fund and the American Safe Climbing Association. My brother Luke and I use this show to support climbing around the country, and we do this by donating 100% of our proceeds after our production costs to those two organizations. So check out rhinoskinsolutions.com and support your own climbing while helping to make climbing safer and more accessible for everybody. Alex Honnold and Maury Birdwell had a different take than Phil Powers. Let's check it out. So last question for you both, and this is just sort of an opinion question, we'll, we'll, we've been polling people as we go, and it is, do you think that there will be a permit system for the nose in the future? I, I don't think so. Um, basically because there's no permitting for climbing at all in the park right now. I know, so national parks have a lot of leeway within the individual parks, and so Yosemite has this rich history of climbing. I mean, it's like, like they're probably installing a climbing museum in the next few years. Yeah. And so... Um, I don't think so. And honestly, it's not that crowded. Or actually, this season, it wasn't that crowded, which is funny because last fall, it was like really crowded. Mm -hmm. But it kind of comes and goes. But it's quite, it's really self-policing because the thing is, if it's too crowded, people can't climb. So they just go another time. Yep. You know, it's like, and I mean, they're freaking 112 routes on El Cap. If the nose is too crowded, freaking walk 50 meters to the right or left and climb a different route. Like, Mm -hmm. who gives a shit? Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing when you like complain that that your favorite trail is too crowded and you're sort of like, well, hike a different trail. I mean, they're freaking, yeah, yeah, they're so much out there. Like, just do a different thing. Yeah, but yeah, Maury, what do you think? Well, I've I you know I haven't climbed the nose, so oh shit, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know that I feel informed enough to like speak on like Yosemite because I just haven't spent much time there. I think generally speaking, though, like what we've seen it in any national park or like wilderness use areas, that climbing is an acute target. Yeah, like it's very, it feels feels very risky and yeah. like it's high profile. Like <clears throat> so, you see it on Denali or Rainier where they, they charge these fees. I think Rainier is the best example, right? You have, to, right? you have to get a permit, you have to pay a fee. And if you pull the broad public, they say, well, of course you should because climbers are getting rescued all the time and it's really expensive. Whereas if you actually look at the dollars, it's all hikers. Like the majority of dollars are spent on rescuing hikers. So is the, the, the question is, is the National Park Service evidence-based enough right. to not I would, I would say I would say they are. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, I would say the National Park Service, I mean, they're the one running all these numbers. Like, they know the deal. Uh, it's like the comment section on Facebook where people don't know the deal. And that's where you get comments being like, yep. oh, what well, F those guys. They should be paying their yeah. own insurance to climb. And you're like, whatever. But that's like the uninformed masses that have never been to a park, never climbed, don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, the National Park Service, and I mean, I have a lot of friends that work in Yosemite on these kinds of issues. I mean, yeah. I mean, they know the deal. Like, they know what's going on. Totally. Um, so as long yeah, as it continues to control. It yeah. shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think that the pressures on the nose are necess- not necessarily felt outside of the climbing community, right? Like we complain about crowds in the nose, but that doesn't mean that anybody yeah, well, else cares. And us complaining about crowds is because we like solitude and, and emptiness. Right. But like, and we all want if, to climb in October. But if, yeah, exactly. But if you were from Southeast Asia and you showed up and climbed the nose, you'd be like, oh, it's so peaceful up here. It's so quiet. It's so tranquil, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just depends on the level of crowding that you're used to living in versus like, you know, yeah. You're like, oh, we had to share this big old ledge with another portal ledge. That's so lame. You know, like, oh, the nose is such a bad experience. You're like, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, it depends what your perspective is. And and if you don't want to see people freaking go to Baffin, you know, like, 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 don't go to Yosemite in prime season. Like, that's just. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, if you're complaining about like, oh, I'm not alone on a 3000 foot wall that's 50 feet from a road, like. I don't know, man, you know, yeah. go walk a few miles to a wall. Right. Yeah. Go climb Watkins, you know, like Watkins never has a crowd. I mean, that's the other end of the valley and right. it's uh, very, very solitudinous. <laughs> Solitary. Nice. Uh, what are your thoughts on their response? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, they touch upon that whole, the kind of second scenario where there's the uh, pressure to create a permit system due to revenue from rescues and stuff like that. I think they do, uh, they make a good point about whether the people who actually make that decision, who like, do you know what, what, like based on like kind of what information they're going off of and the fact that like, it might not always be in the hands of people who are operating in a super data-driven, evidence-based way. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I think that that's Maury's Maury's rebuttal to the search and rescue cost argument, I think, is a really compelling one. It just comes down to whether or not you believe that the decisions are made in a quote-unquote rational way, you know, like you said, like a data-driven kind of way. Who knows? You know, one, one imagines, as Alex says, the Park Service kind of having the narrow mandate of like their own park and tailoring their policies to their needs and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, you hope, you hope that that's correct, I suppose. Yeah. I think that their, I think that their take on, on all of this cuts the closest to how I feel myself in part, because I I think that both of their arguments are, are right. You know, Maury's kind of making the case that the, you know, the, the cost driven argument is, is not really a, you know, not a super strong one. Alex makes the case that there's really no need because the nose isn't that crowded, relatively speaking. And if you want, when it is that crowded, you can just go somewhere else and climb a different route, which I think is true. I I think that people oftentimes have their blinders on and they only look at one route and they just kind of like, go forward no matter what kind of thing. That is one of the distinctions with El Cap and Half Dome, for sure. Yes. Is that there isn't another Half Dome. Like, like there isn't another another cables route. There isn't another cables route. Right. Immediately. No, there's not. Although there, so this is like the weakness in the point that Alex was making is that there's like, there's not really another nose either. Right. There's not another 
really easy way up. I mean, there's lurking fear and then there's a South they wall and that kind of stuff. But it, it isn't the case that there's, you know, dozens and dozens of routes that are realistic options for most parties. Right. And so, yeah, he's right. There's 120 routes or 112 routes on the formation or whatever, but like how many of them are accessible to the average party? Very few, I would say. Um, if only because, you know, even if you could climb the route in question, did you show up at the valley with the rack to climb that route? You know, like a lot of those routes require you to, to bring some sort of iron, you know, pitons or angles or, or that kind of thing. And if you just have your cams and your nuts and your, your basic free rack, that probably is only going to get you up a few routes. But, you know, his, his point about like, I, taken in, in the broader way, his point of, well, just fucking get over it and do something else, I think is a smart one. Cause that's like, that's the reality, you know, like that's the solution to crowding. And so ultimately I, I feel as though before the national park stepped in and, and made a permit system, you know, they probably see how far, I guess, see if there's any other ways to spread the crowding out into like other months or, or whatever. I think the other compelling case against uh, neither, you know, Maury nor Alex really addressed is that I, I mean, it just seems impractical to have a permit system, you know, you know, so you go and you get your permit for, for like these three days. Well, what if it takes you a day longer? What if it takes you two days longer? What if your permit is to go from the ground to El Cap Tower to Camp 5 to the summit, but you only make it to Dolt Tower and there's another party who's permitted for Dolt Tower? or two other parties or whatever, right? Like, what are you supposed to do at that point, right? By the time that problem arises, it's probably the middle of the night or after dark, the end of a climbing day, certainly. And it's clear that this party's not making it to their bivy site. What are you supposed to do, right? Then you're the same problem as we're at right now. It's crowding, right? And, you know, one of the teams is bailing or, or what have you. And so, you know, you... You wonder whether or not if if the point is to deal with those types of crowding problems, you wonder whether or not a permit system would do that effectively, you know, because, yeah, I mean, just having the permit doesn't mean you're going to hit your hit your mark. So are you going to like chase those people down and, and how penalize them or like, right. what are you, what are you going to do? Like, you're just like sitting and looking up at the wall with a telescope being like, oh, those people aren't, you know, whatever. I, don't, I mean, it's like. This is sort of where it all breaks down for me is like, like I can get my head to a place where I'm imagining on the demand side, the park saying, okay, we need a permit system. Like I, I can, I can construct that scenario in my head, but from there I kind of lose the trail and it's like, well, okay, how would you execute this in a way that a does address the problem and B isn't like way worse than before. I don't know. I don't even know how you would do that. I mean, you know, it works on the cables cause a shitload of people can be on the cables at one time, you know, like a lot, a lot. That's sort of like a, the fire department giving like a max capacity rating for a building, right? You kind of just look at it and be like, this is the amount of traffic we think this can support. Boom. This is many permits per day, like done. I mean, you know, when we did it, there were three other teams doing it wall style. One of them was a guided team and the other two didn't hit their pace by a day in the case of the Japanese team and for sure two days minimum had we not brought them up off the wall with us in the case of the German team. And so 
if that is like even remotely representative, then it's easy to imagine the permit system kind of failing, you know, like how meaningless is it to give these people, you know, permits for specific bivy sites and then just be like, okay, we have there's nothing we can do, you know. We're not going to find you. It's not like practical to find them once they get down off the wall. I mean, like, what is that doing? And then, um, what are you going to do to like spur them on to the space they're supposed to be at while they're on the wall? You're just going to like yell up at them with a megaphone or something. I mean, like it just doesn't, how would that even work? I am open to ideas, you know, maybe I'm just not being imaginative enough. Um, but I, I think that the appeal of the permit system, getting back to the point that I was making earlier about having infinite permits is really just in trying to discourage the most like inexperienced parties um, from doing it and maybe not prohibit them from doing it, you know, cause it doesn't seem like it's very much in the spirit of climbing or Yosemite's history or anything like that to say, to come in and say, no, you're, you can't do this. You know, what I'm saying is like, it's about, um, it's, it's not, the permit system is not a tool for managing the situation. It's a tool for preventing the situation from arising. Right. And so when you think about it that way, you are targeting a specific subset of the parties who are climbing the route. And you're not targeting the people who are really fast and are really competent. You're targeting the people who are most likely to cause a traffic jam. To say nothing of an accident or a rescue, you're just trying to target the minority of parties who are contributing the most. But, you know, who knows? I mean, it is a little bit of a slippery slope argument. And this also didn't get brought up in, in, any, of those, um, in any of those responses. But so the nose has a wrap route. There's wrap stations that go basically all the way down the route. They don't track right next to the route the whole way per se, but you can basically retreat from anywhere on the nose. The reason there's a wrap route that's really easy to follow is to make it easy for people to bail. Well, why did we go back and make it easy for people to bail? Because a lot of people were bailing. And in the process of bailing, these people were causing these large traffic jams and they were ruining other people's chance at the wall. And so we made it easy for them to get off and out of the way, right? That's not close to having a permit system, but that's also shaping the route to accommodate the crowds, right? You're bowing to the reality of crowding in that scenario. I, I think that, you know, you, you just, you see how, you know, these things these things happen. I mean, pressure, pressure builds inside of a situation until you eventually like, well, you know, we don't want to do this, but, but here we go. In terms, so in terms of like predictive, uh, in terms think, of this is a predictive question, you don't see this as, a, you don't see there as being like a practical, um, I just don't know. I don't, it's hard for me to imagine how you would artfully execute that, mm-hmm. you know, but that doesn't, doesn't mean it won't happen. I, I do. I do actually. After having these conversations, I do think, still think that there's a good chance that there will be a permanent system on the nose in the future. Um, I think the argument that that Phil laid out is it's a it's pragmatic, and you know I can imagine a situation with a situation that involves political pressure to do something, even if it's not the best fix, and even if it doesn't do the best job of addressing a perceived problem, but just taking an action to appease you know, uh, a particular moment. I think that's a, I mean, that's a very realistic, um, 
realistic idea. I don't want that to to happen in part for, you know, the reasons that Alex and, and Maury brought out. But who knows? You know, it's a realistic possibility. I mean, it's, I, I think if it were to happen tomorrow, it would feel inappropriate. But it's also not so far outside the bounds of a reality that we the reality that we live in that that I have trouble envisioning it. What do you think? Uh, I don't think it'll ever get popular enough to actually demand the parks enough of the parks' attention. I don't mm-hmm. think that there will be, ever be enough pressure there. Um, I think climbing itself would have to go through several stages of like increased popularity before mm-hmm. it eventually trickled into enough acute pressure on the nose. Yeah. Like what- I think climbing itself might would have to like triple basically yeah grow by orders of magnitude in order to see a big increase on i think so before um that or like the park management would just have to like undergo a big yeah change like we're in a super Um, different political moment or something like that yeah right like the whole model the park model changes or like the management or whatever but it would have to be like a pretty again it would have to be like a real uprooting of the current Yosemite management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, that's only yeah, I th- like, I think I agree with that. Yeah. That's like, it would, it's only one iteration of management away from being totally different. Potentially, yes. Right. Exactly. Like, right. And, and that's the thing about top down management systems is that you have a lot of decision making capability um, held by relatively few people. And so, you know, if it, if it just takes, if like four or five people are the ones who are making these decisions, well, it's not like impossible to imagine that a different set of minds is occupying those spots and then this decision gets made and signed off on. But especially yeah. because it, further from climbers, and it exactly turns into right, like right. which is what's that's more, the influence point, which was just yeah. like, you know, right, who's making who's calling the shots, right? No, exactly. I mean, that's that that's the, the cutting both ways of Maury's point. I think if you zoom in and you actually pay attention, that he's absolutely right. It's just the question of does that. Um, argument unfold in the public sphere founded like with those agreed upon premises, you know, or is it just like, well, the helicopter rescues off the side of the mountain is the most dramatic. That's the one that's on the news. Well, that's what's being talked about. You know, is is it a fact driven argument? I guess who's to say, you know, one hopes, but I don't know if I would expect with near certainty that that would be the case. I feel like, um, in order for there to be enough pressure for them to put in a system like a permit, it would have to be both climbing growing by a huge amount. And also because like when you think about it, like El Cap, this is like El Cap's moment. Like Free Solo is out, Tommy Caldwell's film is coming out. This is, you know the most exposure it's ever gonna get. This feels like probably peak exposure for that. Yeah. And so if this is kind of peak exposure, then I think climbing would then also have to be like, and this is like kind of the amount of attention that it gets. I think climbing would then also have to grow severely and then management would also have to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Cool. So wrap up. Sure. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, check us out on iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you.